Welcome to Jets Rewind. This is Marty Shupak from the studios in Valley Cottage, New York. And I'm here with Ray Clifford from Marysville, Ohio, and Ralph Scheregel, who's in New Hampshire this week. How are you guys doing today? Good. Very good. Very good. As long as the Islanders get a few more goals. <laughs> okay, Ralph, you have a trivia question. We'll, uh, we'll write it down, and then I'm going to try to give an update. I, um, just from what I remember with the injuries, but go ahead. <laughs> that could take a while. Yeah. Um, okay, three <clears throat> questions, a, a classic one. Can you, how, many, how many Heisman Trophy winners played for the Jets, and can you name them? And there's a bonus question after, too. That's it, huh? That's it. I know one, but I'm sure there's more than one. Um. Huh, that's a good question. All right, uh, Ray, you understand the question, right? Oh, yeah. Just, yep. Yeah, just an update, and I'm just talking on the top of my head. Uh, Denzel Mims has started to uh, run on the sidelines. Uh, Zuniga has participated in practice. Um, Perryman, he's still hurt with this knee. It seems to be swelling on and off, and it sounds like it's a chronic deal. Uh, Lawrence Cager is back. Uh, Cam Cameron, is that his name, Ralph? Did I get that right? The uh, rookie? Uh, Clark. Cameron Clark. Cameron Clark, yeah. He had something with the shoulder, but he's okay now. And the Jets had cut one of their um, uh, kickers. And uh, right now they just have, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Fickens. Fickens is the, is the kicker they have now. And just before we went on the air, fellas, I just want to mention to you that New Orleans is making a play for Jadevian Clowney. So as we talk, um, by the time we're off the air, he might be a New Orleans Saints. And uh, I go hot and cold with this guy, as you guys know. And I, I, the last I spoke to you guys, I wanted them to sign him. But that's what, – what am I going to do? We'll have to see. All right, anyway, Ralph had a few questions. So, Ralph, why don't I turn it over to you for your first two questions, and we'll get into that. And then we're going to have a little bit of a special tribute to Tom Seaver, who passed away yesterday. So, Ralph, why don't you take over? Um, which ones are you referring to, Marty? Uh, the uh, Adam Adam Gase stuff? No, the player who has excited oh, us the most in training right. camp, the player disappointed. And right, right, right. It's not, yeah. It doesn't have to be a rookie, right? No, no, anybody. So, yeah, first uh, we're going to all pick a guy that we've been pleasantly surprised and we're excited about from what we've heard and seen as much as we can. And a guy who we've kind of been disappointed in uh, – what's been going on in training camp. So, uh, Ray, you want to start with who, you, who you're excited about? Uh, yeah, I was kind of excited by what I've heard and read about uh, Becton, Mackay Becton. I think he so far has uh, – I, I didn't – as much as I, uh, I really have high hopes for him, I'm kind of worried that he's going to, you know – not be ready to be a left tackle in the NFL. But from what I'm reading and hearing, uh, I think he's been a, a pleasant surprise, at least for me. Well, Ray, it's a good point. I just want to know if you heard the story about his necklace today. Yeah. <laughs> no. He, he purchased the necklace, you know, 
And the rumors that it was $400,000, but it's only $175,000. God bless the young people in this country today that get a lot of money. So somebody should tell him that, Mikhail, you know, when you do that and you're flashing it, you're putting a red dot on you that you're going to be held up. He should. Yeah, uh, well, I, good luck to the guy who holds up six foot seven, three hundred pounds. <laughs> Ralph, that's a good point. All right, um, so you pick Mackay Becton. I'm going to go next, Ralph. I'm going to pick Trevon Wesco. I think this guy. I, I really have high hopes for him. He came into training camp in incredible shape. All he's been doing is making plays. And as Ralph said last week, he's the one rookie from last year that played in all 16 games. I think, um, give McCagden credit. I don't know how he did it. Probably by luck. Uh, <laughs> they got this guy. And I, I really like the fact that he's a Jet. He could play H-back also. I think he's a good blocker. He looked good on some uh, receiving yards and, and yards after catch. So, that's the player most excited about this training camp. All right, good good picks. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael P. Ryan. You know, when they picked him, I hadn't seen much of him in college. When I watched his film, I really, really liked him. You could see he had great vision. He had a nice burst, even though he doesn't have a great 40 time. And he's been doing really well. I know he got nicked up his ankle, but it, they, they say it's not that serious. But I think I, I like him, and I think he's going to be better than uh, your buddy Bilal Powell, actually. Well, I hope he is. And just uh, I, I kind of pissed over him. His injury, which I carried him off, I think, on the green and white scrimmage, it's not serious at all. It's like a, a slight uh, lower ankle oh, sprain. Yeah. yeah, and as people know that play sports, if you do get a sprained ankle, you better hope it's a lower sprain than a high sprain. So, so that was good news. Uh, all right, Ralph, the next pick is we have to pick a player who's disappointed us so far. And I, let me go first, okay, guys? Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick – it's an undrafted free agent, Bryce Huff. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Uh, I was bragging to you guys three weeks ago how I looked at every one of the films I could get a hold of this guy, and I couldn't understand why he was not drafted. Okay, now, since the beginning of training camp, and I got to tell you, you guys know this, I kind of follow everything that's going on, every word from Rich Samini, Manish Mehta, Brian Costello, and uh, Connor Hughes, I follow every day. I haven't seen Bryce Huff's name mentioned one time. So I'm very disappointed so far. I had high hopes for him. Um, and... You know, at this point, I would hope I was hoping that we would sign Clowney, but that's not going to happen. So I don't know where we're going to get our pass rush. Very disappointed, Bryce. How about you, Ray? Well, <clears throat> I don't I don't get to see any of the uh, any of the uh, training camp because of where I am, I can't find a feed to it. Breaking, so I don't get breaking to watch. News. The Islanders just tied it up. It's two to two. I'm sorry, Ray. <laughs> Who scored? I don't know, but it's it's yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's they haven't even gotten out of the locker between periods. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to go with. I couldn't pick one person because I can't really watch the uh, the, 
practices, you know, I don't get to see anything. So I'm going with a group and I'm going with all the nagging injuries that's uh, <laughs> befell our wide receivers so far in camp. It's just very disappointing to, to see all this. And I don't know that any of them are major injuries, but uh, definitely <laughs> my, cat, my cat seems to like attention. Um, they just seem to be bothering the whole group. So I'm very disappointed that we don't seem to have any wide receivers that are consistently on the field at this point. Well, by the way, uh, a guy that I, I should have mentioned for someone I'm excited about is doing really well in camp. I'm going to say Denzel Mims because he hasn't dropped one pass yet this uh, <laughs> training camp. Um, you, you know, I'm a little nervous about uh, Quinn and Williams. I feel like I, sh I should be hearing more about him going up against uh, those guys, and, and I'm not. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I, I would like to hear that he's totally dominating and they can't handle him. So that's my guy for him, someone I'm a little concerned about. Okay, so that's good. All right, we're going to go to the next one. I put down a question for you guys. And considering the wide receiver issue and all the bodies they're getting, the question is, which wide receiver, you only pick one, do you think will step up and not necessarily start but surprise us? And I purposely didn't pick guys like uh, Brexton Barrios. I picked Jahu Jessen, DJ Montgomery, who they just picked up, Josh Malone, Lawrence Cager, Dante Moncrief, who they picked up, and George Campbell, the undrafted free agent. Ralph, is there anybody else I should put there of these unknown? Well, I guess you're not, you're not going to put Chris Hogan there either, I suppose. No, so. no, 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 not him. Because, you know, he's right. kind of established. So, Ralph, what yeah. thought? Is there anyone that could surprise us? And, and I, I, I don't know about surprise. I would say the guy that, to me, has the best chance is Moncrief. He's just done the most in the NFL. He's proven that he can't play. I think he's had got a couple hundred catches. Um, the other guy, Je Jehu uh, Chesson, I, I kind of intriguing, but uh, really has no track record. So I'll say Moncrief. Ray, who do you take? I was uh, I was thinking Moncrief as well. I I think uh, I think if he gets anything going with Sam, that it could be similar to uh, to his his relationship with uh, Crowder. And uh, I would like to see you know now if if Mims you know, starts working out, Moncrief's, uh, Moncrief's playing time might diminish from that. But otherwise, he might be the guy until Mims is ready that could be our deep threat and our guy who could make some big plays. And he has a little something to prove being, uh, being that he's been, you know, bounced around a little bit now. So if he has a big year, that, that helps him too. So I could see him stepping up. Yeah, unfortunately, Ralph, the guy that we were intrigued uh, way back when, when they signed an undrafted free agent, George Campbell, it doesn't sound yeah. like he has a shot at all to do anything. But my picks were, I have them circled. Ralph, I'm like you, Jahu Chesson, he intrigues me. And I also circled Josh Malone. I think Chesson, did he go to Michigan or Michigan State? Um, I'm thinking Michigan, but uh, yeah, Ray's the Big Ten guy. Yeah. But I ended up taking Josh Malone, who I believe went to Tennessee. He was originally picked up by the Bengals, and um, he was picked up at a time 
And Ray, you know this better than anyone else, where they were very, very thick in wide receivers. So he really wasn't given a huge chance. I've reviewed a lot of video. He's actually had a pretty good 10 days in camp. So I'm going to go that Josh Malone will, will step up. And I hope that we're all right, by the way, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, that'd be nice. But. All right. Anyway, the next thing is I was going to go to give some reasons about the Jets record, but I just want to skip over that while we were talking about it. I, I gave us a question. Who plays a regular season snap first? Denzel Mims, Cameron Clark, or J Zabari Zuniga? Ray? Uh, I think it's a crapshoot, but I'll take Zuniga. Um, the only thing going for these guys is we aren't playing any games, which I don't think helps them prepare, but they can't get injured. I mean, Bre in breaking news alert the Islanders just scored. It's three to two Islanders. I'm sorry. Oh, Ray. man, let's keep this show going. This is good yeah. luck. Huh? Okay, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. So you think uh, it's Zuniga? And Zuniga. He, he was on the field today. Okay. Um, I, I'm going to take Mims. I'm so down on this guy. <laughs> but I think they're going to push him in there. So I, I'm going to take Denzel Mims. Ralph? Yeah, I'm going to take Mims, too. I'm going to be patient with Mims. I don't think this team is <laughs> going anywhere this year. Bring him along. Don't rush him back from an injury because I think he's going to be a player eventually. But I'll go with him, too. All right. I think Zuniga obviously has a, an injury history, so I worry about him. Yeah. By the way, we're we're taping this on Thursday evening, September third, and the opening game, I guess, is in nine Ten days, days, if yeah. I have my math right. So we're going to start talking about how the Jets are going to do this year. And one of the questions I have is: Give me three reasons why the Jets will go six and ten. And then three reasons why they'll go 10 and six. It could be the same reasons, just the opposite. So, Ralph, <laughs> why don't you start with this? All right. Make six a case for each. All right. My case for six and 10 is because they just lost their two best players. Their offensive line is just won't get it together because they just haven't had enough time. <laughs> and the main reason they're going to go six and 10 is because they're the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Uh, <laughs> 10 and 6 because Darnold's going to have a breakout year because Greg Williams is a terrific defensive coach and because the AFC East stinks okay. so that's my case there you go alright uh, Ray uh, 6 and 10 <clears throat> I think the number one thing is obviously the offensive line um, if they don't come together this team's going to be Better than last year, but I don't know that they'll be a lot better. Number two is Gase. He's got to show he can handle – if Sam goes down or if there's other other uh, issues going on, he's got to show he can, you know, make some adjustments. He didn't do that very well last year, I didn't think at all. And uh, if he isn't able to kind of go with the flow with this team and this season, then we're in trouble. And the third is Sam. If he – if he uh, steps up and, and progresses, then uh, <clears throat> then he'll make everybody around him better as well. And I think he can be the key to them being a, a, a better team or a struggling team. 
as far as 10 and 6, again, the offensive line. Uh, second, I went with the DBs. If they can gel uh, and Greg Williams gets them going, this defense could be pretty even better than last year's, I think, and really make a, a difference in keeping them in every game. And third, with a better offensive line play, I look for Sam to go to the next level. And I think he's the he's the key on the field and Gase is the key on the sideline. Okay. Uh, I was just writing down. I thought of another answer to Ralph's great trivia questions. I actually have another one. Wow. <laughs> This is good. All right. Um, I have the same reasons for each, just going the opposite way. So six and ten, I put – I was all wrong about Sam Darnold. He's not the potential superstar I thought he was. He's not making players better. And he's just like um, an average-type quarterback, and I was wrong about him. The second reason is the offensive line – it's so weak that it's scary, and th this team got hurt the most out of almost any team in the league as far as offensive line not having exhibition games. And then I put as the last one, the wide receivers are a lot worse than we all thought. And I was wrong about that. I always thought maybe Belichick is right. You don't have to have really superstars and wide receivers. Um, don't forget, they never won a Super Bowl with Randy Morris and Wes Welker, uh, though they did it with um, Julian Edelman, who's very good. So those are the three reasons for them to go 6-10. and 10. And I took the same three reasons, and I put Sam Darnold. Turns out the guy is everything we thought and more. Superstar, he's extending plays. He's covering for the weak offensive line. Um, he's making throws. He's making the receivers look much better than they are. The second reason, the offensive line, they're not as bad as we thought. With Connor McGovern and Becton, they're leading the charge. They're doing a lot better than one would have thought. And the third one is the wide receivers are better than we thought, and Sam is making them look better. So those are my cases for 6-10 and 10 and 10-6. Ten and six. And quickly um, – I put how many games over under 10 you think Denzel Mims plays? And I put – I'm going to start first. I'm going to put under. Uh, I said just a minute ago I think he's going to start the season, but I think this injury is going to be nagging all year. He's going to play two games, miss a game, play a game, miss two games. I'm going to say he plays under 10 games. Ray? I'll go with over. I, I don't know that that means he's going to have a great year, though, but I think – you know, I'm I'm hoping once he gets past the the hamstring, if he does, that uh, he'll be out there. I mean, he may not have big numbers, and he may not get a ton of plays. And depends on a little bit depends on Moncrief. But I'm gonna hope he. Uh, I, I'm gonna hope, and I think he can be on the field for at least ten, and maybe more. Ralph, I'll go over two, assuming that there's more than ten games being played this year. Exactly. <clears throat> well, what do you hear about Brashard Perriman? When is he supposed to be back? Well, I heard Gay say that he was. He said I was wrong about his knee. It's taken longer than we thought. Oh boy! One day they wake up and the swelling goes down. Next day it's up. It's like if the you, stock market. Yeah. 
If you look at his uh, injury history, though, Ralph, I had read it one time. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, Ray. He, he's had these issues forever and ever. I think this is going to be a chronic issue. I mean, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything, but this guy might have done something uh, as far as injections just to have that those last five games of the last year. <laughs> I, I don't – I don't. I, you can't count on this guy at all, to be very, very honest with you. So um, I don't know what to think about this guy. Ray, wh wh what's your feeling about uh, Perryman? Well, this isn't something new. I mean, he's had – this has been his career. He's he's hasn't been a a guy who's been a, a on the field all season long and all games long. So it's not a not really a surprise. Last year he actually I think played more than maybe any other season he's been in the pros. So you know I, I just hope we get enough out of him to make a difference. And if he's going to have injuries, hopefully they're early in the year and he's playing by later in the year if it matters. Okay. Yeah, we'll need him for the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> uh, Ralph, uh, I didn't quite understand your last question, so maybe you could explain that. We'll give, a, give it a crack, then we'll get into Tom Seaver. Yeah, it's kind of like last week's. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a list of uh, head coaches and ask you who we would rather have as the Jets head coach this year. Uh, Adam Gase or, for example, Matt Patricia. What would you say to that, Ray? <laughs> I'll stick with Gase. I would stick with Gase, too. That's a no yeah, problem. I would, too. <laughs> how, about, how about Gase or Brian Flores? Ooh, I, you know, I, I'm staying with Gase only because I'd, I'd like to see another year out of Flores before I've, I'm committed that he's actually, you know, good. I mean, I thought he had a great year last year, especially given that they were – trying to lose every game and <laughs> it wasn't a great idea <laughs> oh, but, by the way i'll answer that in a second i just want to point out ralph uh it came over the wire yesterday that um the patriots are going to let go of who's the wide receiver ray from atlanta uh they got oh, uh, muhammad sanu muhammad sanu yeah. so i just want to be we'll get right back to this ralph but i just want to before i forget i want to ask you what do you think? Does he have a shot to end up with the Jets? You think he's? Does he have any gas left in the tank? He's a Jersey guy. He played at Rutgers. Yeah, you know he's 31 years old. They say he can't get any separation. He's been a total bust. I think I think if he's 27, maybe the Jets give him a crack. But 31, I think he's he's on his way out. So I'd say stay away from him. Ray, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't. I still probably, given the situation we're in, would bring him in and give him a look if we could. Um, now, what the Patriots are getting – the Patriots have, I think, about a week to actually try and work out a deal, even though it says they released him. Because of when they did, they can still pull him back and make a deal. But, you know, if we could get him for a late-round pick, it might be worth a flyer, and I might I would be okay with that. I, I'm conditional, kind of, a, a conditional lead, I would say. Yeah, conditional yeah. pick. Um, yeah. Just, just like the guy they picked up from uh, the Dolphins. But I, well, I'm they, kind get, of, they, sent, they sent back, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm kind of uh, on the fence on this. I mean, when he was with Atlanta, I thought he was terrific. He didn't do well, anything for the Patriots. The Patriots did too. They gave up a second-round pick for him. I know. <laughs> I know. And they thought they were going to get like a third-round pick. 
because they thought he would have signed somewhere else, I think as a free agent. Yeah. I didn't quite understand. But, Ralph, am I missing something? Wasn't he great that his last year with Atlanta? Then all of a sudden he just he like was, Yeah, he was well sought after. But uh, I don't know. You know, it seems like w over the years, the Patriots have never, ever gotten wide receivers to uh, produce for them, except for Moss and Walker. They, they brought in a ton of guys. I don't know if it's their system or what. Maybe in some cases it's the guy himself, but uh, he's just never done anything for them. Right. Well, anyway, let me go back to your question. I I kind of like Flores, Flores versus Gase. And the only reason being is that um, he's a Brooklyn guy. Oh, and all right. I, and I like the way he worked his way up by, by writing a letter. I it, it, I could be wrong. Did he go to Boston College? Am I wrong? Possible. About that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not I know sure. He, he wrote letters, and apparently uh, Belichick <laughs> answered the letters. He started at the bottom. I kind of like him. He seems like he's old school. Yeah, so well, um, Mangini started at the bottom, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's true, too. Um, I actually think Mangini was let go a year too early, but that's for another show. Yeah, right, really, right. it is. Okay, I thought okay, it was let me give you another one. Cliff, King, Cliff, Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury, Ray. Who would you rather have, Gase or Cliff Kingsbury? Uh, given that if the rest of the coaches are the same, I'd take Kingsbury. I think he'd be a better offensive mind, personally. I'm not a big fan of Kingsbury, but uh, – Given that if we still had Greg Williams and the and the defensive side, I'd be okay with Kingsbury. What do you think, Marty? I would do Kingsbury too. I think he has more uh, dynamo in him than than Gase. I keep hearing about how Gase is so creative, but I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> so, I, I just haven't seen it in a year, and I really, except for that last play against the Patriots, which really, you know, he didn't put it in. I mean, everybody does it with the laterals. Yeah. They scored that touchdown. I really haven't seen anything special from him. All I see from Gase, and it sticks in my mind, and I give him the benefit of the doubt coming to this year, when that guy took a seat by himself on the bench and he had the clipboard and he's writing things down, it is such a bad look when he was doing that. So <laughs> I would take Kingsbury. Ralph, who would you take? Uh, I don't like Kingsbury. I think he was a – he had a terrible record in college. Um, you know, he won five games with that team last year. They won three the year before. They make a big deal about him winning five. Yeah, I know Kyler Murray had a good year. Uh, yeah, I, that's a tough one. I, I, I don't like either of them very much. But I, I think I'd stick with Gates. Um, all right, here's your favorite, Marty. Doug Maroney. Oh, I'd take Gase. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> I just can't stand him when he goes – he went for two points against us. Yeah. I really yeah. – I mean, I can't wait for the day he gets fired. I was sorry he didn't get the job. But it ended up I was happy he didn't get it. He's, he was born and raised in the Bronx. The Jets supposedly were his dream job. But I, I would take Gase over Doug Marone. What do you think, Ray? Yeah, I'd probably go with – Gase to uh, the part and it's that same thing that it, going for the two but worse yet after the game in the news conference he just uh, well I just went by what the sheet told me and I'm right. like why don't you just man up and say you were putting it to him and I'd have had a lot more respect for him but uh you know I don't know that he'd have been be any worse or any better but 
I'd stick with Gase, the lesser of two evils. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, my last one's kind of interesting. It's a guy we let get away, Anthony Lynn. What do you think, Marty? Can I tell you something that bothers me about Anthony Lynn? This is going to freak you guys out. Yeah. Did you ever see his teeth? <laughs> he, he looks like he's got. <laughs> he looks like he's got dentures in the top and bottom that they're they're like three sizes too big. I can't explain it. <laughs> but, but if given a choice, I was besides the teeth, I would take that case. Go ahead, Ray. You think Gase? Gase has become a very good coach, I can see. Yeah, what yeah. do you think, Ray? Marty, do you pick horses by which one's prettier? Yeah, no. <laughs> Go ahead. We got to keep right, Ray, because we got to get to uh, Tom Terrific. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I think I'd stick with Gase, but I thought Anthony Lynn's done a great job out in L.A., San Diego. and uh, Well, except you know, that when the Patriots threw – like 18 passes in a row out of the backfield, and they didn't make an adjustment. And play. I, I, I never no, saw nobody's, nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's perfect. Right. He I'll, wasn't take, the I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Anthony Lynn because I, I, the more we talk, Gase is about to go into the Hall of Fame, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, just so you know, Anthony Lynn, um, my son Jeffrey was neighbors with him in Long Island City a few years ago. I used to talk to him a lot. He says he's the nicest guy in the world. All right, okay, anyway. Right, there you go. Anyway, uh, yesterday, uh, even though this is a uh, Jets podcast, a lot of the fans that follow the Jets follow the Mets, and a, a, a Met icon, Tom Seaver, passed away um, yesterday at 75 from complications from, uh, I guess, Alzheimer's and, and COVID. He was in pretty bad shape for like a year and a half. I was brought up – I'm just going to go on for a minute about this and turn it over to you guys. You guys are more of a Met fan than I was. But I was brought up a Yankee fan, though I got to learn baseball from my grandfather, Frank Goldstein. We used to go visit him every Sunday in Brooklyn. And, in fact, he took me to uh, Ebbets Field the last year, 1957. Really? And you went sport, to Ebbets Field? Nice. Yeah, the last year. And, and, and he became a huge Met fan. And my story was in 1967 – one of the Sundays he went over, I guess I was either 13 or 14, when he said to me, I said, I said uh, Grandpa, are you going to watch the Met game? He goes, yeah. He goes, I want you to see this rookie pitcher. So we sat down, we watched it. I don't even remember who they played. It could have been the Pirates. And um, I think the Mets won, and he was terrific. And throughout the game, I remember his hat fell off twice. And then my grandfather looked at me and goes, well, what do you think of him? I said, he looks great. He reminds me a little bit of Jim Bowden with the hat falling yeah, off. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, Jim Bowden? Like that. He goes, <laughs> he goes, he's no Jim Bowden. Wait till you see what he does. And he was right. And I, and I followed him after that. And I'm, I'm one of the few Yankee fans that also loves the Mets, too. So um, that's my one story. So, Ralph, why don't you uh, tell your story about Tom Seaver? Well, I, actually, I'm going to give you three quick anecdotes. I'll make them quick. First Ralph, one you got to is... talk into the mic. Something's not going on go ahead oh, you hear me can you hear me now i hear you now kid um every year obviously the mets would make a couple of trips out to the west coast the swing to play the giants dodgers and padres and one year <clears throat> one of the dodger coach i think it was lasorda he was really serious complaining bitching that he says why is it that whenever the mets come out here 
we get Seaver and the Giants don't. He was really pissed about it, which is probably the ultimate compliment for a guy. Um, my second story is that I saw <clears throat> the best game I ever saw him pitch was against the Padres when he struck out 19. Struck out the last 10 in a row. In the ninth inning, nine pitches to strike out three guys, seven swinging strikes. He was in such a zone, Marty and Ray. When he would get the ball back, he was already in his windup for the next pitch. I never saw anything like it. It was like Pedro against the Yankees with that one hitter when he threw 17 strikeouts. And my final anecdote is my wonderful girlfriend, Tammy, when I was dating her at first, <clears throat> she's from Queens, and I told her I'm a Jet and Met fan. And she said her cousins have a two-family place in Bayside, Queens. And Tom Seaver's rookie year, he was their tenant. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and he said, of course, no surprise. They said that he said that he was an absolute sweetheart and a gentleman. So rest in peace, Tom Seaver. <clears throat> Ray, well, I was a kid when uh, he was in his prime, and uh, <clears throat> I I I became a Mets fan around the time they won in '69, and uh, he was my favorite pitcher. Cleon Jones was my favorite regular player, but um. Uh, I remember the main thing I remember about him was that he I read him talking and, and he thought if he gave up three runs, it was a bad outing. He, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have survived in the Tony La Russa era where La Russa trained guys to throw for six innings. And that's a good outing. He uh, he wanted to be out there for every game. And when he pitched at least in the first half of his career, the rotation was four-man rotations back then, not five. Always. Yeah, always. And so they pitched more innings, and they went longer in the games. And the one thing I remember about him – well, the thing about the Mets that I remember, they let him go to the, – they traded him to the Reds. They brought him back and then didn't protect him, and he ended up on the White Sox for his 300th win, which killed me. And then he ended up with the Yankees at the end. But when he went into the hall, he ended up going in with the highest percentage of votes of any first-timer, even above Ty Cobb had the record before that. And he got the highest percentage of votes, which I thought was a big compliment to him and, and said everything about him as a, as a pro. Ray, he had 61 career shutouts, complete games, which yeah. is – Unbelievable. Ralph, we'll never see that again, you know? I don't think we're going to see another 300-game 300, 300 winner. Yeah, I'm lucky if we see it. We'll never see a 25-game winner either, I don't think. No, no. So we just want to say, we're going to close this out. We just want to say rest in peace, Tom. Terrific. Uh, I have such great memories. I, I was like, even as a Yankee fan, I, I would watch Kiner's Corner all the time. Yeah. And I loved it when Tom Seaver was up there, and he absolutely he would analyze things so beautifully. He was great, uh, he and he would every have, pitch. He would have the mud on his knee. Remember from the pitching, and a lot yeah, of people, per perfect mechanics. The guy, yeah, and a lot of people don't know that he spent, I guess it was three or four years announcing with the Yankees. Him and Phil Rizzuto, Rizzuto were like Abbott and Costello. They were so <laughs> entertaining on the year; it was unbelievable. So for Marty Shupak, uh, wait a minute, Marty. Trivia oh, question. Trivia question. Okay, <laughs> Marty's right. weekly. Okay, repeat the trivia question. I'll I'll answer first. 
because I'm so All excited. right. How many, how many uh, Heisman Trophy winners have played for the Jets? Name I'm going to say three. Who do you got? I, I have John Ewart, Ed Marinaro, Vinny Testaverde. Did Ed Marinaro play for the Jets? He sure did. Yeah. Well, he wasn't a Heisman Trophy winner. He came in second, actually. Okay. Ray, Ray, what do you think? Uh, I had three as well. I had Hewart. I, but the other two, I wasn't sure if they won it. I forgot about Vinny. Uh, Marinaro and Vic, which you just said Marino didn't. I didn't think he did. I know he led the NCAA in rushing. but I didn't Oh, know Vic, Vic got the Heisman? I'm not. No, you never, either. you never won the Heisman. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, right, you, got him, you, got, you got the number right. It's three. It's Hewart. Well, Hewart technically didn't play for them. He was only on the taxi squad. Hewart, Testaverde, and our favorite, Tim Tebow. Oh, that's oh, right. God. You were right. <laughs> and, and you're sure Ed Marinaro never won the he, Heisman? He came in second to Pat Sullivan, 1970. Yeah. Sullivan, right. All right, we got to cut it. They're going to cut us off for uh, Marty Shupak, Ray Clifford, and Ralph Sharega. This has been Jets Rewind.